Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. So I'll be reading from John chapter 6, verses 41 to 59, and hopefully following along on the screen here. Oops. Make it so you can follow along. There we go. Oops. Yeah. There we go. All right. John chapter 6, verses 41 to 44. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, uh, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it, and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that, comes down, that came down from heaven not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Let's pray. Father, we, pray, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these words of Jesus that were heard, that were spoken and heard in that synagogue at Capernaum so long ago. We thank you that they are written down and preserved for us, that the word for the people then could be the word for us today. We pray now that you would take this word and sink it deep into our hearts, that it may not merely be information for our heads, but truly transformation for our lives, changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live, today and in the days to come. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, today is February 20th, I believe, which means Monday. This past Monday was February 14th. It was Valentine's Day. And on Valentine's Day, I don't know about you, and if you're not on social media, you want, then I know you didn't see any of this, but on social media, on Valentine's Day, I saw lots of posts about Valentine's Day. And I, 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 I'm going to be honest, I am not, I'm, well, this is kind of funny too. The wordle word for Monday was cynic. 
uh, for Valentine's Day. I am not a cynic about Valentine's Day. I think Valentine's Day is great. I think it is great to celebrate love. I think it is great to tell people that you love them. I think all the posts on Facebook and all were great. But the ones that caught my attention the most were, were the, the posts about my forever Valentines. And maybe this was just me, but most of the posts I saw about my forever Valentines were not actually couples or romantic love. They were about children and parents. That was the, the, these very sweet, very cute posts about forever Valentines. They're wonderful. But I was reflecting on this about how we say these things about my forever Valentines. And yet what Jesus is telling us here is that there is something there that we want. We want relationships. We want relationships with our children, with our parents, with our family. We want romantic relationships with other people. We want those to be forever. He's saying none of those things will last. Here he's talking about food initially. He's saying about your fathers ate the bread in the wilderness, and yet they died. Jesus' Jesus's bluntness is almost shocking. Everybody who eats that bread, they all died. That bread could not sustain them. Our forever Valentine relationships cannot ultimately give us what we want. What we want, what we, want, what we need is a true and deep relationship with Jesus. That is fundamentally what Jesus is saying. In all of this stuff about bread and eat my bread, eat my body and drink my flesh and all this kind of stuff, I am the true bread, he repeats it over and over again. But the key here is in verse uh, 57 there, 56. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This is really what Jesus is going for here. Now, the people who are listening to this, they were like, they were super confused. I mean, why wouldn't you be? Like, they had no idea what Jesus is talking about. So they're confused, they're asking questions, they're grumbling, they're complaining. Jesus, what in the world are you talking about? We understand this a little bit better when Jesus talks about drinking his blood and eating his flesh because we have in front of us the Lord's Supper. Keep in mind, when Jesus said this, he hadn't done the Lord's Supper yet. So that's why they're so confused. But we can look ahead and see what he was talking about when he instituted the Lord's Supper as a ritual for us. And we can understand, okay, this, okay, Jesus, you're talking about, you're looking forward to where we're going to eat the bread and drink the cup. That's eating his flesh, drinking his blood. Like, it makes a little bit more sense to us. It's still kind of confusing. But at least it makes a little bit more sense. But the root of it is what Jesus is going for what Jesus is really trying to get them to grasp, both in his speech here and when we come to the table, as we will in a few minutes, is that what these things lead to, what these give us, is a relationship. A relationship with Jesus where he abides in us and we abide in him. All the relationships that we want, all the human relationships that we have that are wonderful, and beautiful expressions of God's love for us as it is expressed in our love for other people and other people's love for us. But all, this point, all of these point us back to the fact that Jesus is the only source of real food. Jesus is the only source of real life. Jesus is the only source of real relationship. That is what he's telling them over and over in all his repetition, 
all this talk about the fathers who died, about nobody can come to me unless the father draw them, all these things. He's saying, look, guys, I'm all that there is. This is it. Jesus is the only source. That is the message for us this morning, that Jesus is the only source of real food, real life, real relationships. So what, what do we do with this? What do we do if Jesus is the source of real food? What, what is our response? Our response to that is that we must eat his food on his terms. That's really what he's saying. See, you see in this, in this, in this passage, this dynamic that starts here, where he picked up this morning at verse 41, so the Jews grumbled about him. There's this kind of back and forth where the Jews, which here's talking about really the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, the priests, those who were seen as leaders of the people, they're grumbling. They're like, Jesus, you're, you're weird. What are you talking about? And then they say it again uh, in verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves. So they're challenging, they're asking questions, they're complaining, and Jesus just keeps coming back with, it's, it's only me, only me. Anything else you could find is not going to work. For them, he was talking specifically about the bread he had just given them and comparing it to the manna that their fathers had eaten in the wilderness. Even having some things from God, it's not enough. You need Jesus himself. For us, it might be other things that we look at. For us, it might be trying to find our hope and our security and our promise in those relationships, in those human relationships, in pleasures, in entertainment, in having enough money, in having a successful career, even in the, the aspects of, of religion, of church life, of doing the stuff, of doing the good deeds. And we look for those for our security and our hope. And Jesus comes to all of us and he says, nope, I myself am the only source of real food. Not in my instructions, not in the things that I tell you to do, but me. What you need is a relationship with me. You need to take my very self into yourself that we can have a relationship where I abide in you and you abide in me. So we must eat on his terms. That's what he is saying. This is comforting. This is encouraging. I've given myself for the life of the world. I've given my flesh. That's, I've sacrificed for the sins of the world that your sins may be forgiven, that you may be freed. It's comforting. It's stirring. It's uplifting but it's also pretty black and white, cut and dried. There's no other options. There's an edge to it. There's a command to it. Come to me, for there is no other hope. So we must eat on his terms. So how do we do that? How, what can we see in here that tells us how we can eat on his terms? I'd offer three brief things for how this plays out, how we can practically do this in our lives, to see that Jesus is the only source of food and to eat on his terms. One is we need to keep the wonder. Two, we need to keep the faith. And three, we need to keep the hope. Keep the wonder, keep the faith, keep the hope. And the, the primary place we see this is in the responses of the Jewish leaders. I said we got two responses from the Jewish leaders. Uh, verse 41, so the gr Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said... Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? See, they had the, the contempt of familiarity. Like, who is this guy? We know him. We know Jesus. 
This, he cannot be saying, he cannot be what he's saying. is. He cannot say he came down from heaven. It's Mary's son. It's Joseph's son. It's the carpenter. He's the builder. Like, who does this guy think he is? And we can fall into the same kind of thing. Not so much, we're not as likely to show that kind of contempt towards Jesus. We know better than that. But we can fall into the trap of losing the wonder, of the familiarity, saying, oh, it's just another Sunday at church. What's the big deal? Oh, it's just another Bible study. It's another time of prayer. Will you pray for me? Yeah, sure, I'll pray for you. What's the big deal? I'm just doing these things. We can fall into just kind of going through the motions, taking it lightly, taking it casually. And Jesus' call to us this morning is to keep the wonder, to keep that in front of us, to stop and say, wow, do we realize what we are doing? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus came down from heaven for you. Jesus thought you were worth a trip from heaven to earth, that he might die for your sins to be forgiven. That is wondrous. That is glorious. When we come in a few minutes to take the Lord's Supper, we are participating in the life of Jesus himself. We are brought into the life of God. Do you see in verse 57, going down here, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Jesus is saying in taking and eating and coming to him on his terms, in entering into relationship with him, we enter into the same kind of relationship that Jesus has with the Father. I mean, how amazing is that? So we stop and we reflect and we keep the wonder. We say the most amazing thing we can do is gather together with God's people to worship. The most amazing thing we can do is open up our Bibles and read the very words of God himself. The most amazing thing we can do is pray and have direct access to God of the whole world who hears our prayers and will answer them. It is wondrous. It is glorious. So we keep the wonder. Second thing is we keep the faith. So we see this in verse 52. Again, poor response from the Jewish leaders. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? When I say keep the faith here, what I'm really saying is that we trust God on his terms. The Jewish leaders here are like, I hear weird things and I've got to figure it out. This doesn't make any sense. And I'm not at all saying that we shouldn't reflect, that we shouldn't think about things, that we shouldn't try to figure things out. But at the end of the day, we have to keep the faith that God is who he says he is, that God has done what he has said he has done, that it matters when we eat and drink, that it matters when we gather together, that it matters when we sing, that it matters when we pray, that Jesus has forgiven our sins and given us his righteousness. Like, how does that work? I don't know. I don't understand how that works. But we keep the faith that God knows, that God knows these things better than we do. So there's many things that we get confused trying to figure out the details of this and that, and this frequently leads to much of the source of division and arguments among different groups of Christians, of trying to figure out all these details. And at some point we just say, you know what? We trust what the Bible says. It doesn't all make sense to us. I can't figure this out. 
but I know that God made the world. And I know that God made me. And I know that God loves me. And I know that he has forgiven my sins. And he's given me a purpose and calling in my life. And I'm just going to go with that. I've got nothing better to go on. So we keep the wonder, we keep the faith, and then we keep the hope. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Where do we find our ultimate hope? Anything else, any other source of food, any other source of self-security, any other source of calling and purpose is going to be like the bread that came down from uh, the, the bread that the fathers ate. That was good. It was manna. It was from God. And yet it was not enough. Ultimately, they die. So if we put our hope in anything of this earth, even good things, even godly things, even acts of service and mercy, even acts of righteousness and justice, if we put our hope in these things for eternal life, they will fall short and we will die. The only source of our hope is meeting Jesus on his terms, where we look at him and we say, Jesus, you are the bread that comes from heaven. You are God. I need you to forgive my sins, and I need to come and eat and drink of you, that you may live in me, and that my life may be changed from the inside out. Jesus comes with glory. He comes with promise. He comes with the words of life but he's the only source. So let us respond to him as the only source of true food and eat that food on his terms. Let's keep the wonder, keep the faith, keep the hope. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love to us. We thank you for all that you've given to us. Jesus, we praise you. We sit in awe and wonder at who you are and what you have done for us. Would you teach us anew each day what it means to wonder at you, what it means to feed on you, what it means to abide in you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.